Never actually met any of these individuals, but got too close for comfort. Let me explain. When I was younger, I got to the point where sexual frustration pushed me to the point of desperation. So I made a grinder. Finally, an outlet for my repressed sexuality. My virginity became a burden, a curse I wanted to pass off. I didn't want it anymore and was willing to give it to anyone who would take it. And thus, the predator swooped in. They could smell my desperation and started circling. Anyone who has used Grinder knows about the amount of weird older guys looking for any men is surprisingly high. Now, that's in a normal environment. How about in the middle of Arkansas? The levels were sickening. They were everywhere. Now, granted, a silver fox has a certain allure, but these weren't silver foxes. These were mangly coyotes prowling on young prey. Most of the population around where I lived at the time, and unfortunately where I live now, are what can only be described as white trash, meth head hillbillies. So these weren't attractive older men looking to lead me down a path of discovery. These were 40 year old creatures looking to take advantage of my desperation. Now, fortunately, I always chickened out or came to my senses before I went too far, but sometimes it got a little too close. One time, the individual was just down the road from my house when I changed my mind. So I never met these people face to face, but the thought of what could have happened if I had still sends shivers down my spine to this day. Though this is more of a virtual encounter, it's still plenty creepy, so don't worry. In the past week, I have came across this TikTok account by the name of You Shouldn't Be Looking. Allow me to paint a picture of the post featured on this account before you decide to be brave enough to check it out yourself. Its first post, October 4th, 2020, is a video of a rotting pumpkin being filmed by shaky camera work. Nothing too sinister, right? How is that even a little creepy? Well, it's about to get a whole lot worse. On the 7th, they posted six more videos. These are the ones that really started freaking me out. The first two videos posted that night were of a seemingly empty road surrounded by trees and one street lamp. In one of those videos, you can hear a cameraman walking in the back, faint singing, and voices can also be heard. The third video posted after those two is showing something wrapped in a plaid blanket laying on the floor of the woods. The man filming, assuming it's a man, and I'm fairly certain it is, is kicking leaves on top of the bundles. The video after is where it starts getting heavy. We can see this man dragging along a small blue suitcase. The suitcase appears to be leaking blood on the floor as he drags it along. The suitcase seems to be very full of whatever the fuck it is and has bounds of duct tape around it. The fifth video posted that night is perhaps the most chilling in my opinion. The video starts off with him walking slowly to the edge of a bridge. He only has one sock on and is clearly soaking wet. He follows a small trail of blood until he finally shows a large patch of it. And what do you think is sitting on the ledge of the bridge? If you guess the suitcase, you are correct. He then proceeds to show his gloved hand, pushing the suitcase off into the water. Oh, and did I mention the song playing in the back of the video? It was It's So Hard to Say Goodbye by Kenny Vance. The sixth and final video posted that night is him showing various drawings, all of which of course are terrifying and disturbing. What gets me though is the fact that his hands are 1. 
shaky as fuck, too. Covered in scratches, like seriously, I mean covered. Before I saw the scratches, I thought that maybe he could be just another thing, like Ash Vlogs, the ARG. I don't know if you remember that, where it ends up just being some little film project. But those scratches, they make you feel like it was so much more real. Lastly, before I go, I would like to mention that every single one of these videos so far have been captioned with the same exact hashtags every time. Hashtag don't look. Hashtag you shouldn't be here. Hashtag hide. Hashtag don't you remember the summer by the river. Hashtag leave me alone. Hashtag go away. If you are brave enough to check out the videos posted so far, please do so. But I will continue to update the situation. I have also been saving every single video to my camera roll. This account I feel is real and shouldn't be taken lightly. It feels too real at this point. It feels way too real. I will start this by saying, I go to the grocery store a lot at night. I live in an overly populated area. The grocery store is open 24 hours and sometimes I just like to go by myself late in the evening. I don't feel rushed and no matter what time it is, there are still people there. Not a whole lot, but enough that you feel safe. I always park on the side of the grocery store, just out of habit because when I do go during the day, it's so packed that the side parking lot is usually the best place to find a spot. One night, I think it was around 9pm, I went to the store. I parked on the side lot, it's right next to the store, and I'm literally 25 feet from the entrance. But the side parking lot was a lot less populated at night, and there isn't much foot traffic or lighting. I didn't think much about it and just headed inside. I was inside for about an hour and came out and loaded my bags. As I was loading them in, I noticed two guys coming from around the back of the building. They started talking to me as they reached the front of my car. I smiled and tried to be polite as I finished loading up the car. I didn't feel comfortable standing in a semi-dark and empty parking lot talking to two guys, but I also didn't want to be rude or piss them off if I didn't have to. The one guy asked me for my number and I told him I was in a relationship. He kept pushing it telling me that he would take me out somewhere nice. At this point, the groceries were in, and I moved to the driver's seat. I told him again no thanks, and was just about to shut my door, when he grabbed the door frame. Our eyes met. This fear went through me. I am screaming inside my head to get the hell out of there. He's still talking, more serious now, telling me I'm pretty and that he really wants my number. I hold his gaze and say, as stern as I can, let go of my door. We are frozen like that, each of us contemplating our next move. I know one of two things will happen. I can see his mind going through the options. There's no one else around. I am thinking of ways to defend myself, knowing that if he pushes his way into my car, that things are over. I say again, let go of my car. Our gazes are still locked. Then his friend mutters something I couldn't hear. He turns and then looks back at me. 
Another moment, and then he lets go of my door. I slam it shut and lock it and get the hell out of there. I could feel them watching me pull away. When I told people about it, they kept saying how lucky I was, how bad it could have been. I sure learned my lesson, and I can tell you that. It's my first time posting here, and I don't know if this really counts, but here it goes. My husband and I live in a house on the left end of the street. There's a decent stretch of woods right on the other side of us, and then up a road is a busy street. Tonight, literally an hour and a half ago, we were sitting and watching TV upstairs, trying to wind down from work, when suddenly, there's a loud ass pounding on the door, like excessively loud and forceful. At first, I thought it might be the police, and of course, I was worried that they were there to deliver news or whatever the case may be, but being paranoid people we are, we didn't immediately get up to check the door. We finally get around to peeking out the window, and there's a white Mercedes sedan just parked right out front. At least a couple minutes have gone by, and the knocking still persists. So the husband grabs his gun once we both realize it's not the cops or anyone we recognize, and decide to head down, see what the fuck this person wants. Mind you, it's like 10pm and this dude is still pounding on the door. By the time we get down the steps though, guy goes around his car and slips in. I didn't see his face or the plates of the car, but he just sped off. Maybe it's not like your super creepy encounter, but we were just pretty shaken. First off, it's somewhat late to be pounding on anyone's door, for that matter. And then, he didn't make any other stops on our street, just ours. Didn't leave any notes or cards or anything to indicate he was there. Of course, it didn't help that immediately after this guy left, a blare of sirens and speedy cop cars erupted near the busy street next to us. And then there was a police helicopter that came by soon after. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe we just got lucky. Either way, I'm not sleeping that well tonight and have to be up for work at 3. And I'm definitely not looking forward to walking down my dark ass driveway in the middle of the night. This past New Year's Eve, I went away for the night with my two best friends and one of their moms. I'm posting now because I recently discovered this subreddit. I was home for the holidays from college and my friend Sarah invited me to Palm Springs to celebrate New Year's with her mom and our friend Rachel. I didn't have any other plans so I decided to go with them. We went to a cool city about a half hour from where we live that's big on shopping and resorts. We planned to have a pretty calm night, watch the ball drop at the block party thing downtown and have a few drinks at a bar. Since we're on the west coast, the ball drop is at 9pm, so at around 8, we ventured from the hotel, walking to the block party about a mile away. On the way, we passed a very lively bar. We decided to stop by and spend 15 minutes dancing, but didn't get any drinks. It was a gay bar, and Sarah and Rachel being gay, they were stoked on it and wanted to come back after the ball drop, even though it was about 90% men there. We continue on the block party, get some dinner glass of champagne the ball dropped and had a DJ so we spent about an hour there dancing after we got tired of it we decided to head back to the bar and hang out until midnight once we get there 
Sarah's mom pays for a drink for each of us, but leaves soon after because she was tired. It was about 10.30 at this point, and Sarah, Rachel, and I are enjoying our drinks and having fun dancing. Rachel tried some of my drink since it was one she hadn't had before. I consistently have to have my guard up when drinking in public, and I felt safe in this bar because it was 90% gay men who I thought would not have any interest in me. I went back to the bar to get a second drink, and that's the last thing I remember. The rest I've gathered from Sarah and Rachel. Almost immediately after getting my second drink, I asked Rachel to go to the bathroom with me because I wasn't feeling well, even though I was completely fine 10 minutes before. Once in the bathroom, I collapsed on the floor, and I was almost unresponsive. Rachel, now worried, somehow dragged my half-lifeless body out to where Sarah was waiting for us. Security, seeing my condition and assuming I was wasted, asked us to leave. Sarah and Rachel decided to take me back to the hotel, about a half mile away. By this point, I was unconscious, and there were barely sounds escaping my mouth. They saw someone leave the bar at the same time as us, who was walking near us, but they were preoccupied with trying to keep my lifeless body off the ground. At one point, I threw up all over myself, the both of them, and the sidewalk. The next part of the story we had to get from Sarah, and Rachel doesn't have memory of this. Still struggling to carry me, the man they saw leave the bar approached them. He was hitting on Rachel, trying to grab her to go grab a drink with him. She was very agitated and told him to leave and her friend needed help right now. He didn't take no for an answer and continued to follow us down the street, asking if we wanted to get drinks with him, if he can help carry me and such. A middle-aged woman witnessed this and came up and told the man off, something along the lines of, Stop harassing these young women or I'm going to call the police. He left after that. Next, by some miracle, an EMT and his wife enjoying the holiday ran into us on the street. He checked me out to make sure something wasn't majorly wrong and then carried me the rest of the way to my hotel and into the room since my friends could barely hold me up. They thanked him profusely and him and his wife left. This is when Rachel's memory kicks back in. Five minutes later, they get a knock on the door and it's the EMT and his wife again. They came up to let us know that the man followed us to the hotel and they saw him hop a gate and start to make his way towards our room. My friends called the hotel security, but they were unable to find him. My friends didn't get a glimpse of him, but I'm sure it was the same man from earlier. I spent the rest of the night vomiting everywhere and dry heaving after that. I woke up the next morning in a pile of pillows and blankets on the bathroom floor. My last memory was at the bar getting my second drink and my friends filled me in on everything that had happened. Feeling like crap, I thought I must have drank way too much, but I had never blacked out before in my life. And the amount of drinks I had, only two in two hours, since I didn't get to drink my second at the bar, didn't add up to me being completely unconscious. We decided that my first drink had had to have been drugged since Rachel had some of it and had no memory of her walk home, even though she was fully functional. I'm sure the man that was talking to Rachel and then followed us back was the one that slipped something in my drink. To this day, I don't really know how I could have been slipped something. I got my drink from the bar and never set it down. My best guess was it was already in the cup. Thankfully, I had two good friends with me and kind strangers protecting me that night. Keeps me up at night thinking what could have happened under different circumstances.
This happened to me about a week ago. I found a summer job at our local supermarket about two weeks in. I got asked to work the late night shift, 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. I accepted it since I needed money and I never slept early anyways. Everything was fine and dandy until about 3 a.m. when a shirtless, scarred up guy came into the store. After lingering around the store for a while, he quickly came up to the counter, making intense eye contact with me. As I was about to ask him if he needed any help, he whispered, Don't dare to move. I didn't hear him at first, so I asked him if he could repeat that. At that point, he got agitated and yelled, Make another sound and I'll cut you up. In a swift motion, he vaulted over the counter, going to the alcohol section, trying to grab a bottle of whiskey. Thankfully, the owner had hit a baseball bat under the counter. The moment he turned his back to me, I took the bat and swung full force into his knee. He winced in pain and tried to get up. I wanted my bat again, acting as if I was going to hit him again, just to see him pull out a homemade shiv of some sort. I unfortunately let him get up. And the moment he did get up, he swung his shiv at me, lightly lacerating my wrist. I pushed him back with my bat and he stumbled over some boxes. He sprinted to the door and got out. I called the cops and showed them the security footage, but they haven't contacted me since. I think it's safe to say that I won't be working that late night shift again for a long time. So scarred, shirtless guy, let's not meet again. Years back, I made a late night stop at a local Walmart on my way home from a friend's house. Not a lot of people out and about at nearly 1am. I lived around there for years and never ran into any criminal elements out there. So I felt safe going to the store alone as a woman in my early 20s. I made eye contact with a teenage girl the second I walked in the door. She was parked on the bench by the restrooms, hugging a backpack and a small purse, checking her phone with a rather desperate expression on her face. When she looked at me, I could tell she was on the verge of panicking. After a brief second of staring at me, she went back to checking her phone and making phone calls. At the other end of the bench was a white-haired man in jeans and a t-shirt. If I had to guess, he was probably in his 50s or early 60s. Although nothing appeared off about him, what struck me was the fact that he never looked up as I passed. Instead, his eyes were absolutely glued to the teenage girl next to him. Not in a passive way, but like he was sizing her up or something. She was perched on the edge of the bench, angling herself away from his gaze and leaning away from him. Her body language screamed that she wanted nothing to do with him. Something about him set off warning bells in my head and I went out and grabbed a few items that I had stopped there for. I'm normally the type of person that mails around the store aimlessly, making it a point to wander down each aisle to see what's for sale. That night, however, I felt the pressing need to get in and out of the store as quickly as possible and something in the back of my head told me to keep an eye on the man on the front bench. I moved my knife from my purse to the front pocket of my jeans where it would be easily accessible. That's how uneasy I felt being in the same building as this man. As I purchased my items, I watched the pair from the bench. The man had moved halfway across the space between them and was trying to chat up the young woman. She was shaking her head and offering one word answers. 
looking like a rabbit about to bolt. As I walked past them again to leave with my purchases, she stopped me and asked if I was headed anywhere close to my old hometown. Apparently, she had been on her way home from a trip with her friends, and they had made a stop to grab drinks and use the restroom. She had gotten separated from the group, and they left her at the store. The store was about a 30-minute drive from my old hometown, and I knew that to get home, she would have to walk several hours along unlit stretches of rural highway. The man sitting next to her continued to leer at her, but refused to look my way. While normally, I would have told the girl that I was headed the opposite direction, something in the back of my head told me not to leave her alone with this man. I agreed to take her home. She thanked me profusely and offered me gas money and a cigarette. I refused both and took her home. The logical part of my brain reasoning that the girl weighed maybe 100 pounds and was a full head shorter than I was, so if it came down to it, I could fight her off. I wasn't stupid either. I texted a few friends and let them know what I was doing, and they were not happy with me. The girl mentioned her address, and I knew exactly where she was talking about. It was an old, quiet neighborhood where I used to play Little League Baseball down the street and swim in the pool a few blocks away. During the drive, she told me that she just moved to the area with her mom and younger sisters from a larger city a few hours south. She'd taken off with a few of her old friends for the weekend, and her mom hadn't expected her back until the following day, so she silenced her phone for the night and hadn't picked up when the girl tried to call. I vaguely remember something about her mom having to work in the morning. We arrived at the destination, and the girl gave me a handshake and thanked me repeatedly, asking if there was anything she could do to repay me. I told her, yeah, do me a favor, get better friends. Looking back, I have no idea what about that man creeped me out so much, but something about the way he was staring at the girl got me on major guard. I had thought in passing that he might have been with someone else in the store, perhaps someone using the nearby restroom, but upon checking out, it struck me that I hadn't seen any other customers there, so he really had no other reason to be waiting on that bench. I was still living with my parents at the time, so when I got home, I woke up my mother and told her what happened. She hesitated, and I could see that she didn't like the idea of me giving a stranger a ride home, but in the end agreed, something had prompted me to take action, and I might have saved the young girl from being harassed or worse. This was about an hour ago. It's not nearly as bad as some of them, but I'm still shaking up. It was roughly 9pm. It was a Tuesday night. Nothing ever happens on Tuesdays. I went downstairs to get my dog so she could sleep in bed with me. I said goodnight to my parents, got my meds, and got a glass of water. I set the cop down and turned off the lights, totally forgetting about my glass of water. I placed my dog on my bed, turned on my laptop, and realized I left my water downstairs. I went back downstairs to get it, and I saw a car pull up through the kitchen window. I thought it was my older sister, but she was staying at a friend's house. I looked out, and it was a small compact car, from what I could see, with two men inside. 
I had no clue who they were, so I began to stress out. I tried to get a closer look, while making sure not to be spotted. I'm a small guy, 5'5", and weak as hell. A 14-year-old kid can't take on two tall, buff-looking men. I saw something in the back of the car, but couldn't quite make out what it was. I snapped out of it and grabbed my water. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw one of them walk around towards my house. I lost it at that point and ran to my parents' room. I asked, who's outside? My dad was confused and said, is it your sister? I shook my head. I told him that we don't know them. They weren't our neighbors, plus their houses are in walking distance, so there's no need for a car. My dad got up and my mom followed. They looked out the front door and saw a tall man in a gray Under Armour hoodie walking up, carrying something. My dad instantly went out there and freaked the guy out. My mom rushed me upstairs and had her phone ready. I went to my room, still holding my water. I have no clue what happened to those two guys who creepily drove up to my house when it was pitch black outside. I hope I don't see you again. First time living alone in my apartment. I was walking up to my car in heels to attend an evening church service. I hear this guy saying, Hey, hello, can you help me? I'm standing about 10 feet away when I stop to observe this man in a wheelchair. He had one sack of groceries in his lap and two on the ground besides him. He had on what looked like veteran attire and combat boots. But what stood out to me most is I noticed how incredibly buff he was. Not just his arms, but his calves. The hairs on my neck instantly stood up. I guess while silently observing, he was waiting for me to walk up to him. I took a few steps back and shook my head. His immediate response was, I'm not going to do anything to you. Can't you see? I'm in a wheelchair. He then pointed to his door and said, Look, I just need help putting these bags inside my door on the floor. That's all. I declined politely and began to walk away. The screaming, cursing, and insults is what made me basically run to my car. Safe in my car with the doors locked, I couldn't shake that awful feeling off of me. Fast forward a couple days later, and I'm driving down the street headed home. Who do I see walking without a limp or a cane? My heart dropped. I stayed in my apartment for a week, too scared to go out, just in case of any more encounters. To this day, this strange encounter haunts me. Edit. I did not call the police. To be honest, I think I was sort of in shock. About five years ago, I was living with my parents and my twin brother was there too. Every morning at about 7am, we would both head out for a run. We had mapped out this giant loop that we would run. To make it a bit of a competition, I would run it in one direction and my twin brother would run it in the other direction. That way we could run and stay focused. Part of this loop was on the main street of the city where we live. On the main road, there is this shady apartment hidden by a bunch of trees. The direction I was running, the view of the apartments was obscured by a giant hedge bush and I couldn't see the apartments until I was right in front of them. Out of my peripherals, I see this woman standing among the trees, staring at me. 
I immediately got the chills and did not turn to face her. So I ran and forgot about it. I passed my twin about 10 minutes later. He's going in the opposite direction as I. I get home and my twin isn't back yet. So I go about the rest of my morning routine, including taking a shower. I get out of the shower and my twin still hasn't came back yet. And I'm starting to get a bit worried. An hour after I had gotten home, he's still not back. So I call him. He tells me he's on his way back, but he has something that he needs to tell me and my parents. Finally he gets home and tells us that when he was running in front of those apartments, he saw a woman hanging from the trees in front of the apartments. As soon as it's obvious that he's seen her, a man comes sprinting out of the apartments, wailing and screaming, No, I can't believe she did this, and grabs her body and lays it on the ground and starts performing CPR. It's obvious he is her husband. My brother called the local police and they dispatched an ambulance and police officers. My brother had to stay for questioning. He was obviously troubled by it. Since he was going in the opposite way that I was running, he didn't have that huge hedge blocking his view and got a straight view of the woman hanging there. It's still hard for me to believe that that woman that I saw staring at me out my peripherals was dead the entire time. I do find it sketchy that the husband came running out as soon as it was obvious that someone had discovered the body. That's a bit too convenient if you ask me, but I don't want to say this man killed her without any evidence. My brother was never followed up with by the police, leading me to believe that the death was ruled a suicide. I still can't fathom that if I turned my head to face this woman, I would have discovered her about 20 minutes earlier than my twin, and it deeply troubles me that I didn't. Before my mom married my dad, she dated a man named Craig. At first, he was sweet, but slowly became abusive. My mother tried to leave him multiple times, but Craig always threatened her. After one violent argument, my mom waited and fled in the middle of the night. Years passed and she got married and had me. My dad's work includes a lot of traveling, so it's mostly my mom and I alone in our big acreage home. My mom was in the kitchen making lasagna while I was sitting in my high chair. It was extremely hot that day, so she opened the kitchen door to let some air in. She heard heavy footsteps enter into the kitchen behind her. My excited mom assumed it was my dad, so she turned around with a, Hello, my love. Her excitement immediately turned to terror. There was Craig standing in the middle of her kitchen with a gun visibly tucked in his pants. Craig smiled at her and asked what she was making. My mom mustered enough courage and said, Lasagna. She was physically shaking and Craig sat himself down besides me. He playfully pinched my cheek and I laughed at him. My mom was holding back tears as she finally asked what he was doing at her house. Craig said he just wanted to visit and he would leave when he was done eating. When the lasagna was ready, my mom served him. My mom took me and sat across from Craig so she could keep an eye on him. Craig said he still had her things at his house and that she was welcome to get them. My mom said she didn't need any of it and he could throw it out. Craig started to get agitated and said that she threw him away like garbage too. He said she was acting tough but he knew deep down inside that she was still the stupid girl that he had dated. Craig claimed that my mom needed him in her life and that she couldn't function if he wasn't there to help her. 
He said that he needed to be there to raise me because my dad was a bitch who would never be able to protect me or my mom. Craig said that if he was crazy, he could have easily kidnapped us or done things to my mom because my dad was a pussy that couldn't protect what was his. My mom started to cry and told Craig to leave her house. Craig replied that it wasn't her house and that he had every right to be there. She told him that she'll call the police, which really made him angry. He threatened her that if cops got involved, he would hire men to cut her up into pieces and film it. My mom started to cry even louder and it agitated Craig through his plate and yelled at her to stop crying and that he loved her. I got scared and started crying to which Craig stood up and approached my mom. She jumped out of her chair with me cradled in her arms. She begged for Craig to spare my life. Craig tried to reach over and touch my mom, but she got scared and fell on the floor sobbing. The phone began to ring and Craig became so overwhelmed that he just ran out of the house. The cops and his family found him about to shoot himself in the head. His adult son had to convince him not to do it. My mom was so traumatized that she didn't want to deal with any of it, so she got a restraining order against him. Her and my dad moved across the country. I was curious and searched this guy up and was shocked to see that he was dating a college-age girl who looked like the woman he couldn't have. As of recently, strange people have been coming to my house and I fear that they're casing my home for a robbery or something similar. I live in a rural area in New England and not much happens here. There's definitely not a lot of crime and not too many dangerous individuals. I was doing schoolwork one day in my room with my window open and the curtains closed when someone stopped their motorcycle outside. It was a man in his mid to late 50s with gray hair. He was wearing a brand new leather jacket. It was obviously he had bought it that day or the day before and he had boat shoes. He was definitely not a biker. Anyways, he knocked on my door and asked for gasoline for his motorcycle. I noticed his bike was parked on the opposite side of the street, right near the driveway to another house. He had came across the street to our house rather than asking the neighbor across the street. It was extremely strange. Nevertheless, we gave him gas and he drove away. The second occurrence is much less intrusive but strange nevertheless. I was in my room as usual and I heard a car outside. It stopped right in front of our house. I didn't get a look at the car, but someone inside of it was having a phone call. They appeared to be talking to a coworker. I heard them say, tell boss that we're right in front of, insert address, and they drove away. Why would they be telling their coworker where they were? It's just weird. Those are two notable occasions that strangers were being weird, but in general, unfamiliar cars have been slowing down near my house, gone in my driveway, backed out, changed directions. One time, I was in my bathroom and I heard a sound from upstairs. It sounded like someone was in my house. I also swear I could hear footsteps outside my window one night, but didn't see anything. I'm probably just paranoid, but it seems like something weird's going on. Edit. Thanks for the suggestions. We actually have security cameras, one in front and one in the back, but nothing's been caught on them right now. There's always someone in the house, so hopefully if these robbers are casing the house, they will realize that someone's always home and get scared away. 
If anything further happens, I'll make a new post. My husband Joe works at his family business with his dad. It's a shop, which his dad has owned since before he was born. My husband has worked there all his life. He's now 40. So a lot of the customers knew him pretty well because they've been shopping there for a number of years. About 8 years ago, Joe came home one night and told me about this customer in the shop called Bernard. Bernard was a similar age to Joe and I and had become a regular customer. Bernard and his wife Vanessa and their two kids lived nearby and had bought numerous things from the shop. Joe had even been to their house to deliver some purchases, so we got to know them. Bernard and his family were originally from France, but moved to the UK a year earlier because of Vanessa's job. Bernard's younger brother Alex and his best friend Victor also moved to the UK with the family, and they all lived together in the same house. Joe thought Bernard and his wife seemed like lovely people. They told him that they hadn't made many friends in the UK yet, and he thought maybe that they were hinting that we should spend more time together. As Vanessa often told Joe, she liked to meet me, and they always took time to stop and chat with him when they were in the shop. Joe said that they seemed like nice people, and he felt bad that they didn't have many friends, so he asked me if I'd be willing to go to dinner with them. I'm quite social, and trust his judgment, so I was more than happy to meet them. A few weeks later, we arranged dinner and went out for a meal as a foursome. Alex and Victor, Bernard's brother, and his friend babysat their children so we could go out on a double date. I really liked Bernard and Vanessa. The conversation flowed easily and I enjoyed their company that evening. They also had a lovely time and invited us to go out again a couple weeks later. After that, we went out with Bernard and Vanessa quite regularly, on average every three to six weeks over a course of two years. We'd meet up with each other and go for dinner, bowling, or to the cinema with them. Alex and Victor never came because they were the babysitters, and being a little younger than the four of us, it didn't seem like we'd have much in common anyway. Bernard never told me whether Alex or Victor were a couple or just friends. He just referred to Victor as Alex's best friend, and we never asked. We met them multiple times when we go to Bernard's house before our evening out. They'd invite us in as they were getting ready. So we'd meet Alex, Victor, and their children on quite a few occasions. Bernard and Vanessa came to our house multiple times too. Eventually, the friendship fizzled out when Bernard and his family moved further away from us. We only visited them once or twice, and after that, eventually lost touch altogether. Fast forward a couple years later, and one day, out of the blue, Vanessa and the children come into the shop to buy some things. Joe was surprised after not seeing them for so long, and they started chatting. He asked how Bernard was, and Vanessa told him that he was in prison. Joe was really shocked and asked why, but Vanessa wouldn't say, and mumbled something vague about it being a long story, and that he shouldn't really be there. Then she left as quickly as possible. Joe came home and told me, and we were both in shock and wondering what he'd done, but we kind of forgot about it, because at this point, these people weren't in our lives anymore anyways. We assumed he must have done something small or accidental. A couple weeks later, Joe is reading the local newspaper and cannot believe his eyes. Bernard's photo and full name is in the paper as part of a murder story. Apparently, 
Bernard and his brother Alex had been on trial for the murder of Alex's friend, Victor. Victor was found beaten to death in their garden shed. They were both charged and found guilty and had been sentenced to life. Their photos, full names, as well as Victor's, were in the article as well, so there's no doubt it was definitely them. The article didn't go into detail as why they killed Victor, but it was believed that there was an argument over money, with Alex admitting that he killed him because he wouldn't give him the money that he agreed to. Bernard was still denying it, I think, but had been found guilty nevertheless. When we had been going out with Bernard and Vanessa, Bernard had mentioned to us once about how Alex and Victor gave him their salaries to mind and he controlled their money because they were bad with their money and needed help managing their finances. We thought it was unusual because Alex and Victor were in their early 20s, so although young, technically they were old enough to manage their own money, but we thought maybe because they were living in a foreign country, they just needed a little extra help with their bills and it was none of our business, so we thought nothing more of it at the time. Joe and I expect that the arrangement hadn't been working for Victor anymore, and perhaps he refused to hand over his salary, resulting in Bernard and Alex beating him to death and hiding him in the shed. We obviously don't know this, and it's just a guess. Shocking considering Bernard's two young children also lived in the house. So I was basically friends with a convicted murderer. Gives me chills to think I visited the house and met the victim and both the killers, and had been friends with one of the killers for nearly two years. This story took place five years ago, when I was 13. I should point out that I look quite young for my age. It could be easily mistaken for being 11 or 12. One day after school, I was bored and decided to go to the mall. I used to go to a lot of places alone, so this was nothing out of the ordinary. It was quite a big mall, which was super busy at the time. I was walking around for a bit and went and sat down at one of those little couches in the middle of the mall for a few people to share. So I'm sitting down, minding my own business, just scrolling through my phone, like any teen would, when this guy, who was alone and not carrying any bags, which is a bit strange when you're in the mall, he walks up to me and looks at me, and then sat down next to me. It was a bit creepy because it didn't seem like he intended to sit down until he saw me. He was alone, late 20s, and looked to have money, judging on his coat, watch, and shoes. He sits down next to me and I'm already feeling a bit uncomfortable. I'm usually fine with strangers sitting next to me, but the way he sat down made me feel uneasy. He looked at me and I could see it from the corner of my eye. I could tell that he was about to do or say something and it didn't feel right, but my stupid ass didn't get up either. I thought nothing would happen since it's a busy mall, so nothing would happen, right? Well, after a few minutes he pulls out a piece of paper and a pen who the fuck carries a pen and paper? Not many people do, so it seemed odd. He writes down his number. He gets up and looks at me while standing up. He handed me the piece of paper. He said that I was pretty and if I ever wanted to hang out with him and be friends or whatever, then to text his number. He then left. My heart sunk to my underwear and I really felt like something was wrong. Even if his intentions were harmless, to think he handed me his number, and I physically looked no older than 13, does not sit well with me. And we didn't even talk, so why would I text his number? Anyways, I left and go home afterwards and tell my parents. 
They contacted the police and told us not to contact him and that it could potentially be sex trafficking, but they were unwilling to take his phone number to investigate any further. More of the story, either don't be alone or get the fuck up when something doesn't feel right. Let me start by adding a little context. I'm a 29 year old female, but often get mistaken for being much younger than I actually am. Sometimes people would mistake me for being 13 to 15 years old, as I have a baby face and I'm 5'2", which I usually use to my advantage if I don't want to talk to someone. So yesterday, I went to the mall to pick up a dress since my cousin is getting married next month. Small ceremony at her house due to COVID. I wasn't picking anything too fancy since the wedding isn't super big or traditional, but dresses I thought were still nice. As I picked the last of my five options and made my way out of the dressing room, I was approached by a woman who asked how old I was. I told her not to worry about it and went to trying things on. I picked out a dress I liked and exited the dressing room. When I returned to unwanted dresses to an employee, I was again approached by the same woman who again decided it was her business to ask how old I was. Again, I told her not to worry about it and continued on to find some cute shoes to match my dress. When looking at shoes, I was approached yet again by this woman, who all of a sudden decided that I was a child and then proceeded to go on a rant about how 12-year-olds shouldn't be left alone in the mall. Where is your mother? I, as nicely as I could at the moment, let her know that I'm an adult that I was fine and could she please leave me alone. This I guess upset her and she reported me to a security guard as a lost child. When approached by security I answered his questions and even showed him my ID to prove that I'm an adult and let him know that she had been bothering me. As far as I know he told her that I was an adult and to leave me alone. The rest of the day wherever I went in the mall this woman followed me into every store. Finally, I got annoyed enough just to leave and this woman followed me to my car where she proceeded to tell me to get into her car and she would drive me home. I let her know again that I was an adult, I had my own car and was going to drive myself home. I got in my car and drove around for a good hour before finally going home. A couple years back, I was without a car and lived in what we consider the downtown area of Pensacola, Florida. Being that I didn't have a car, I'd frequently use Uber to and from work and sometimes from bars downtown if it was late and I felt unsafe as a small lesbian walking home. Our town doesn't have a lot of hate crimes, but unwelcome confrontations from religious people or just ignorant people. Never really had a problem with any of the drivers until I met James. James, I assume was from somewhere else because his English wasn't that good. Obviously not a problem. He had picked me up to take me to work a few times, but I had a hard time understanding so our conversations were short and confusing. One time, instead of talking, he sang to me the name game. I have an unusual name that rhymes with Bailey, Haley, Kaylee etc. So when that happened it was okay, kind of funny, but it lasted a 20 minute ride home. So I got weird and didn't know what to say for a while. Fast forward maybe a couple months later, I had a drink and a few beers at a local dive bar and it was time to walk home. I realized I was probably too drunk to walk, so I called an Uber. 
Well, it was James. He recognized me. I climbed in the car and we proceeded to my house. I was maybe only two miles away from my house. Not a bad walk during the day, but at night, nah. Well, James decides that instead of driving me home, he wants to stop by and buy me a Whataburger because I needed food before I got home. Sweet, right? So instead, he drives towards Whataburger. At this point, I'm cool and happy with what's happening. Well, here comes Whataburger and he drives past. I'm like, hey, that was it. He said, yeah, I know, but I forgot my wallet at my house. We had to go there first. That's when I start to sober up and tell him, no, just take me home. Well, he doesn't stop at first and argues that I should be nicer to him and he's doing me a favor. So I get a little more vocal. After that, he says, fine, I'll turn around and something in another language that I could only assume meant bitch or whatever. I felt like I couldn't wait, so I hopped out at a red light and just risked the walk home, which would have been just two miles, but it was more like four miles because we're down by Whataburger. I did make it home safe, but sadly, on my way home, the police stopped and searched me, asking me why I was out so late in what would be considered a bad neighborhood. They didn't care about the weird driver because nothing happened. So yeah, sort of creepy to me. This happened last night. I had taken some mushrooms with my friends earlier, just a small dose. I had a bunch of energy from them, so I couldn't sleep and decided to go for a walk around the block. I live in Los Angeles. It's a relatively safe area, but not the best. Since COVID started, it's not as busy or lively as it usually is, because the main draws to my neighborhood are the local theaters, comedy clubs, which have been shut down for months. My apartment building is between the two very busy streets that connect in a V-shape, for reference. There were a lot of cars still driving at 1am, so I felt safe. Still, I'm a young woman who has consumed a lot of true crime stories in her lifetime, so I didn't really feel that safe late at night by default. But nothing ever happened, and I wanted fresh air. Of course, my senses were super heightened because of the mushrooms. I took a left out of my building, then another left down the busy street. After walking for five minutes, I started to kind of get a sense that someone had been following me. I turned around and there's someone like a few meters back. I figured that I'm just paranoid and they were not actually following me. Still, I felt sketched out. I get to the end of the street and realize I can't go anywhere except to go straight or take another left down an alley, which was my original plan for my walking route. There is a hedge separating the alley from the next busy street, and I'm now standing at the point of the V. The person behind me was getting closer and was very clearly approaching me. I tried to lose him, and I was hoping that there would be a sidewalk on the other side of the hedge, but it was just the street. I basically just ended up walking directionless into the street, and anyone looking at me probably thought there was something seriously wrong with me. I wasn't going to just keep going straight because to get home, I would have to come back this way anyway. I'm also new to the neighborhood and wasn't sure where to go in general. So I'm basically at a loss. Also probably not thinking that clearly. He comes up to me and goes, Hey, I was calling you. You didn't hear me honking my horn? At this point, I was just like, dude, what do you want from me? And he was like, what's your name? 
I just came back from a party and saw you and wanted to say hi. It was probably a mixture of factors, but I was way more shaken up by this than I normally would have been. I reached into my bag to grab the can of maize that I carry with me and he goes, Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, well, I have to go home. He keeps persisting, getting closer to me and asked me, Well, where do you live? I'll come with you. I said, no, leave me alone. I just want to get home. He still would not leave me alone. And I was trying to figure out where to go because I wasn't just going to start walking down the alley with this guy behind me and wasn't sure whether he would follow me in either direction I went. I was very clear about the fact that I had mace though, and finally, I think he just gave up and walked away. I stood at the corner of the intersection and just started to sob. I noticed the dispensary across the street was still open, so I ran there. Once I made sure he was gone, I ran back across the street to my apartment, still shaking. All in all, this situation was harmless. I have no idea if he was harmless or not, though. I am a victim of sexual assault, and my old roommate was attacked outside of our apartment building. I was just expecting the worst, and because I was on mushrooms, I was shaking up. I really hope I don't see this man again, and that's probably it for the late night shroom walks around here. Real quick though, let's get some things straight. 1. If you see a woman alone late at night and you want to approach her, leave her alone. If you're trying to get someone's attention and they're ignoring you, leave her alone. This happened 15 years ago when I had just came home from college on winter break. Home this time was not the house I grew up in. My parents had just moved closer to our small city, so it just didn't feel the same to be in a different space. Maybe that's what triggered my worry. In my family, I'm always the one thinking of the worst case scenarios, generally distrustful and mostly seeming like an annoying worry word. Call it what you want, but it's also a gift of fear, am I right? One cold night, my parents had gone to bed upstairs, and the dog had followed suit. I thought I would watch TV in the living room for a bit before going to sleep and settled in on the couch. The living room was in front of the house, and with the recent move, the shutters on the windows weren't there at the time, only see-through curtains that weren't really drawn. I noted this, but was used to our rural settings when only ones they could see in were neighbors that we knew so well. I'm watching TV for a half hour when the screen cuts out. It just goes snowy. This happened back in the days when you watched whatever your local channels brought you. I looked up from whatever I was doing, maybe texting, back when you had flip phones. At first thinking, well, that sucks, but something fell off. I tried the remote, but no other channels worked and was just sitting there thinking of what I should do instead when my cat jumps up onto the windowsill and starts wailing. It may seem innocuous, but anyone who knew my cat knew this wasn't par for the course. He was pacing and wailing at the window. A feeling of dread washed over me, and I was frozen. That feeling of dread is so fiercely visceral. 
What the hell is going on? What is out there? I tried to settle myself down in this unfamiliar dark house and felt a bit better because what are the chances? But then there it was. I swear on everything I have that this cold gust of air blew through and that I heard the sliding door. I didn't realize that the door was there at the time. I just heard a door on the side of the house and felt cold air. I became unfrozen. I bolted. I ran upstairs to wake up my parents and slumbering dog and frantically tell them someone is trying to get into the house. They, I think, were annoyed. I'm a worrier, remember? Still, they get up, and they try to placate me by looking around the house. They go check all the rooms, including the basement, while I'm scared and exasperated. They are sleepily roaming around the dark rooms, unarmed, when God knows who has probably made its way inside. Well, they didn't find anything. They verbally patted me on the head and said goodnight and I felt foolish. That is, until next morning. I don't know what prompted my parents to call the police, but they showed up and asked me, how did you know someone was there? Whoa, hold up, what? I started answering. Well, the cat was meowing a lot on the windowsill and my voice trailed off, waiting for a reaction I usually get, which I got. The cop smirks, a cat, huh? He goes on to say that someone cut the cable wires on the side of the house, that either someone thought they were disarming the alarm, or they saw me watching TV and wanted to mess with me. And the sliding door? Muddy Grounds gave us the ability to see fresh tracks right up to it. It didn't look like it had been fooled with, but I know what I heard, whatever it was. I knew it, I said to my parents. The triumphant feeling was short-lived when I started to mull what I was so sure about had been true. True, I did know someone was out there. I also knew that I would always check that sliding door and take some cues from the cat just to be safe. My wife and I travel often, city to city, and at one point we settled down in Vegas for a few months. There was one night we were arguing after work, headed towards Henderson, which is a city outside of Vegas with lots of isolated streets out that way. I was sitting reclined in the passenger seat when she ran over something and the tire definitely popped. My wife got out and checked and confirmed it. Within seconds, a woman with an ice car pulls up behind us. I saw that she was a woman laid back in the seat, still mad, still stubborn and figuring that she was just checking on my wife and assuming she was alone. The woman said she had a brother-in-law with a tow truck and that he could definitely tow our car for free of charge to a shop. My wife asked why she was being so kind and she said something like, Us sisters gotta stick together. I'm helping you out. She then got back in the car and my wife told me she was gonna follow us with her hazards on to this empty dark parking lot in front of a grocery store nearby to get us off the road. I still didn't think this was weird at all. My wife was very confident that this woman was genuine and really wanted to help. So we pull into the parking lot and my wife gets out. I'm still laying back. This woman doesn't even know I'm in here yet. She starts talking to my wife about how she changed her life within a year and that she could put her on what she does. It seems believable. She looked very nice and her car was definitely expensive. My wife keeps on insisting that we can just call a tow truck. He feels bad that she was taking time away from her. We could afford it. The woman kept insisting her brother-in-law was coming, be patient, and that he really doesn't mind. 
She even offered at some point to drive my wife around the area looking for a shop that was open, but my wife had already Googled some places. She told her that's smart and they kept talking. No suspicion, honestly. She then starts to ask my wife why she's in Vegas since we had New York plates. My wife replies for an adventure and doing something new. The woman asks if she has family she's close to or a boyfriend and that she could introduce her to some of her friends to get well acquainted or whatever. She motions over to me and says, well, I have a husband and the woman looked like a deer in headlights. I politely waved. She leans over and finally sees me, stares at me for a few seconds and immediately gets in the car, instantly. I've never seen someone look at me like that, like she had to get far away from me. She tells my wife that she has to go to a store that's opening soon, that her brother-in-law is taking too long, but he will be there within the hour. She told her not to leave, he will come help. One hour, okay honey? My wife was confused and asked if she would be there too, but the woman just drove off. We knew then that something was wrong with the situation. We both just stared at each other in confusion. I still have no idea why that happened. We called the towing company and they fixed the car within 40 minutes. We drove back to wait because my wife was persistent in believing the woman was going to come back with her brother-in-law and she wanted to let them know that she didn't need their help. I told her I don't think they're coming back, but we did wait. No one came for nearly two hours before we drove home. I did some research and found out that a lot of traffickers use women because they seem more trustworthy. Vegas obviously has a large presence of these things as well. The woman was almost desperate to keep my wife there. It was also weird. Now when I look back, it seems more obvious that there was danger. But there in the moment, the woman was so charming and endearing that it seemed like she was generally trying to help. I still don't know, but I'm pretty sure she ran off because I was there and she didn't anticipate a man to be there. I lived in Alberta, and when I first moved there, April 2008, until he moved 2010, we had a neighbor who was the bane of our existence. It all started when I was taking the garbage out to the bin. On my way back, I happened to look up and saw, no word of a lie, nine cameras in this man's backyard. He had one above the back door, one on the railing of the back steps, one on the pole by the back steps, one on a receiver for a satellite, one on the back gate, three on his fence, and one in the upstairs window. Now the amount kind of creeped me out, but what really creeped me out was that five out of the nine cameras were pointed at my backyard. Oh, did I forget to mention? I have three young children. Well, I pointed this out to my husband and he called the landlord right away, who then called the cops, and they all went there and told him to remove the cameras that were facing my yard. Then the trouble really started. He killed two of my cats, threw a dead skunk in my backyard, yelled at my kids for playing, and threatened to kill one of the cats in front of my kids, then had the audacity to call the cops on my husband for yelling at him. Not long after, the cops came to our house and put a verbal peace bond on us. I was asleep on the couch due to having a broken arm. I turned off the light and settled in, waiting for the Advil to kick in, when I look out my living room window and who should I see there? My creeper of a neighbor. I screamed and Morgan came running downstairs. By this time, my neighbor had already ran back to his place. He finally moved out in 2010 when he realized that he couldn't get rid of us 
and shortly after we had a fire in our townhouse and had to move into his old unit. We found out why he had all those cameras. We were moving some stuff downstairs and saw he had built a room. He had a growing operation for marijuana in his basement that no one knew about. I now live on an acreage and I'm happy not to be there anymore. When I turned 11, I started babysitting my nieces and nephews because I was finally old enough. I had been babysitting for four years when this happened. I was about 15 at this time and my sister worked early in the mornings so she had me stay the night so I could babysit for her. I wasn't allowed to have a phone so my mom would let me take hers just in case. I babysat two boys. One was about eight at the time. We'll call him D. Another one was three or four. We'll call him M. My sister lived in a not so great part of town so I'd always keep the doors locked up tight. Plus, I liked to listen to scary stories and was super into true crime, so I was a pretty paranoid kid. There was a pretty large apartment complex next to my sister's house, and it had some really sketchy people there. But they had a nice playground and a basketball court right outside the house, and we went to play there a lot. On this particular day though, I had just woken up and was making french toast for my two nephews. I was listening to music with my earbuds, because they were still sleeping. But I knew they would be up soon. You know when you have music in your ears, how sometimes it sounds like someone's calling out for you or you think you hear something? Well I kept hearing noises and kept pulling my earbuds out to listen, but the noises would stop. I did that about a dozen times before I eventually chalked it up to my imagination. About the time I was finishing up the french toast, my nephews came out of the room into the kitchen ready to eat. I sat my younger nephew in his booster seat and started cutting pieces up for him to eat while my older nephew was sitting at the table with a plate full of french toast. We turned on XM radio and started playing some kids music while eating. I thought I was hearing noises again but I kinda tuned them out. We finished eating and I put the dishes in the sink and got the kids dressed. They were begging to go to the playground so I gave in and said sure. As I'm getting dressed, I heard a loud crack. I jumped out of the room, pretty freaked out, and went to check on the boys. D came out of the room with M in his arms. I looked at D and said, Did you break something? He shook his head and looked absolutely petrified. I told the boys to stay in the hallway since there was no windows, and I really wasn't sure what was going on. I started to walk around the house to see if something had fallen but nothing looked out of place. Then, I saw a shadow peeking through the front door. The door had an oval glass pane, but it was difficult to see through unless you had your hands cupping your face while pressed against the window. I couldn't see his face, but he was in all black and had black gloves on. I was standing to the side, so he couldn't see me. He looked around for a minute or two until he ran around the house. I quietly ran back into the hallway and shoved my nephews into the bathroom and whispered, Lock the doors behind you. He was panicked and confused, but I didn't have the phone with me. I had to go back to the kitchen to get it. He closed and locked the door, and I ran back to grab my mom's phone. I heard the glass cracking again, and I started to lose my shit. I started crying and shaking, and I called my sister. I don't really know why, but I called her and told her someone was trying to break into her house. She was freaked out and told me that I needed to call the cops. I told her that I was scared and didn't want to hang up. I finally did and I called the police. 
I was still in the kitchen when I saw another man run across the backyard. I was sobbing and shaking, and the police weren't being quick enough. After asking for my address and all the unnecessary questions, they told me to stay on the line and that they were sending someone out. It felt like it took forever, but finally a cop car drove around the neighborhood and said we were fine. I told them that there was two men trying to get inside, so they got out of the cars and looked around the house. Then they went to the side that I heard the giant crack. They saw that one of the windows was shattered and another one was cracked. They were definitely trying to get in, but I don't know what they were planning on doing. There was a giant bed frame in front of the two broken windows. I think if that wasn't there, I probably would not be telling the story. They never caught the men that were trying to get in, but I hope I'm never in a situation like that again. Hey everyone, this is my first post on the subreddit and it's not as terrifying as some of the other stories I've heard on here. Still, it was chilling. It happened this morning and I wanted to write it down before I forgot any of the details. Let me preface the story with a little bit of background information. I am a college student majoring in engineering. I'm currently away from school on a co-op rotation with a major company. My company is headquartered in a larger city and I'm working at a smaller site just north of headquarters. I live in a small township in the suburbs, a gated apartment complex, and in a very nice area with very low crime rates. I regularly go on jogs with my music on full blast and my dog at my side. We walk around at night. It by all accounts is a very safe place to live and I felt very safe here until today. I woke up and got ready for work like normal. When I got in my car, not only was it basically frozen over, but I noticed I was low on gas. I decided to not risk it and fill it up before work. Once my front and back windows defrosted just enough for me to see, I drove a block down the road to my usual fill up spot. It has a lot of pumps and usually isn't packed and it's super close to my apartment. They also usually have lower prices than other gas stations in the area. I pulled into the parking lot and there isn't another car anywhere other than a semi truck parked by the doors and an employee's car around the side. All the pumps were open. I pull up to the furthest right pump and hop out. As I'm swiping my card and doing all that fun stuff, another car pulls up. I didn't get a great look at it honestly, but it wasn't shiny or new. I barely paid any attention until the other car stopped at the pump on the other side of my own. Of all the open pumps, the driver chose the one connected to the one I was currently using. Not exactly perfect pandemic manners. Still, I didn't think much of it, at least not initially. I could hear the other driver swiping their card and then entering their pin number. I was freezing cold and just trying to hurry. I turned around to put the nozzle into the car and I just stood there for a minute. Foolishly, I decided to keep my back turned. I didn't want to have any contact with this person, so I tried to pretend that no one was there. Once I filled up, I removed the nozzle and turned around, still keeping it myself and not lifting my eyes. I finished the transaction and got my receipt. When it was printing, I looked up casually and almost fell flat on the pavement when I saw a guy peering around the corner of the pump, staring at me. You know how people sometimes describe creepy people as having an inhuman quality? I never really understood that until today. The way this man looked at me sent a shiver down my spine. His eyes were cold and unyielding. He was not blinking or moving. 
but his gaze was growing even more intense. There was something animalistic in the way that he stared at me. I felt like a deer being watched by a mountain lion. The hairs on the back of my neck stood. My instinct screamed for me to turn and run. This all took place in the span of just a couple seconds, but it felt like a lifetime. I quickly opened my car door. When I did, he moved his head, tilting it to the side to peer into my car. I didn't consider it at the time, but he might have been looking to see if I was alone. I initially blocked his view of the inside of my car with my body and closed the door quickly. I locked it immediately. I mentioned earlier that my car was nearly frozen over. By now, the front and back windows were entirely clear. The side windows, however, were almost still icy. There's a single strip of clarity in the driver's side window, a result of me rolling down the window a few minutes prior in an attempt to clear it off. As I hastily buckled my seatbelt, I ventured a glance to my left. The man was still there, still staring, but he had an inch closer. I could see more of his body than before. He was tall with dark hair and a well-built frame. He was certainly much larger than me and seemed a few years older than me. Had it not been for those eyes, I might say that he was attractive, but those eyes, they were haunting. I decided to do the logical thing and get myself out of there as fast as possible. I didn't want a chance of being able to follow me. Though my work had great security, I didn't want him knowing where I worked. I don't know if this man was just a creep or something much darker, but I don't want to find out, ever. I was in the hospital waiting for a space in the labor ward so I could be induced to have my baby. I was very uncomfortable and told that walking around might help things move along in the right direction. Me and my partner decided to walk down the main foyer of the maternity hospital and walk around the hospital grounds. It was about 2 in the morning but it was July so it was a nice mild evening. As we came out of the stairwell onto the bottom floor. I had a painful contraction and had to sit down on the chairs at the door. Me and my partner were just chatting after the pain subsided when the automatic doors opened and a very large man walked in. He looked at us with a crazy look in his eyes and muttered something then took off down the corridor grunting. I was thinking huh that's odd when my boyfriend practically lifted me off the seat and hissed under his breath at me to move now. We both ran towards the lift. Bear in mind, I'm nine months pregnant and in the early stages of labor, so I'm not exactly in shape to move fast anywhere. Once we got into the lift, I was completely bewildered and asked my boyfriend what the fuck was that about. He shakingly asked me if I saw the two massive rocks that the man had in his hands. Um, I didn't. As soon as we got into the ward, we informed the charge nurse and she basically locked the entire maternity unit down until the police came to remove this man. Turns out he had ran up the main hospital up a hill after being admitted due to having mental health crisis. I'm just so glad he didn't hurt us and my partner was switched on enough to notice the rocks. Scary shit. I live in the apartments on the ground floor. I'm a 22 year old woman but I was 21 at the time. But it was just a couple of months ago, I think. I was coming back from the mailbox and my apartment is pretty much right by it. 
I see a dude leaning on the wall and didn't think much of it because the teenage boy is one of my neighbors and he always has his friends waiting outside for him. Also, this was during the day. It's nighttime now, like 2am, and I'm going outside to smoke a cigarette and I'm watching my TV on my phone. The way I was sitting was my back was facing the air conditioner behind me, which anyone can walk through and ride onto my porch. The AC is very loud and anyone could walk up and I wouldn't be able to hear them. I noticed something out of the corner of my eye and right as I turn my head, I feel a hand on my mouth and an arm around me. I'm still sitting and I didn't see him directly, but I know it's a boy from before. He tells me to get up and not to make any noise. He tells me again and I ask him to let me get up and give me a second. While he's holding me and I'm getting up, I pretend to fall into the door on accident, knowing that my mom is right by it in the living room watching TV with my sister. She opens the door and he pushes me down and runs. We called the police, but before that, the security shows up at my door and asks me what happened. I don't know how he knew he came from my apartment, and if he saw that much, why didn't he stop him? He insinuates that it's a boyfriend of mine, and I shut that down quick. Then I call the actual cops, and they tell me he was here in a stolen car. I don't know what the fuck this boy was doing, or what he was planning with me. So I was joining my team meeting for a homeroom class, online because of the virus, and we were about to play our classroom game we did every morning when some person named Tokyo joins our meeting. No one knows this person or how they got in. They start playing porn. I want to let you know we're in the class of 7th graders. They started calling my teacher a gay slur and saying that they have all our IPs. As the 7th graders we are, we decided to talk back. Then they started screaming gibberish into the mic. My teacher kicked them out, making the meeting private, but they somehow joined again, screaming and playing more porn. So my teacher ended up contacting our tech support to do some special things for the meeting. You can now only get into the meeting if you have a school email. I think it's one of the best choices. I do feel really bad for my classmates who saw the whole thing. I was gone for half of the thing. I was getting breakfast. Some of the students were more traumatized than others, but some of the kids started helping them. Way worse could have happened, but it didn't, so we got a little luckier, I guess. I didn't know if this was the right community for this post. It was just creepy knowing that adult went and played porn in front of 7th graders. I was on a road trip with my mom and we had to stop to get gas, so we pulled over at the next en route. In Canada, these are huge buildings with all kinds of fast food and they have gift shops and gas stations. When we were done getting gas, we went to use the bathroom. On our way in, a guy is on his way out and makes eye contact with me, but I didn't think anything of it because I had to use the bathroom. Here comes the creepy part. I walk out of the bathroom with my mom and there he is, leaning on the wall, right near the bathrooms. I try to ignore him, while my mom gives him a glare. He followed us as soon as we started walking. We decided not to get coffee, because we didn't want to be anywhere near him. So we ran to our car and started to drive off, because there's always these reports of kidnappings and hit and runs right outside the on routes. In a weird way, if I can't have you, no one can. So if they fail to get you, they drive up and hit you.
Some of you may know Peter Moore, a serial killer that was active in North Wales in the 90s. He primarily preyed on gay men and was also known as the Man in Black. He mutilated men for fun and also committed 39 sex attacks on men over a 20 year period. My granddad used to work with him at the cinema in my local area and he was a strange dude from the get go apparently, but nothing would suggest that he was a murderer. He would ask you if you wanted tea, make two, then drink both of them. Obviously before he was convicted and everyone was aware that he was a killer, my granddad and Peter had quite a good relationship and Peter gifted my granddad two pot plants which Peter had crafted himself out of old chimney toppers. Well they're mine now and are quite a conversation piece. Peter is doing time by life imprisonment now. Once, about 10 years ago, my friend and I were walking down the road near our house. We lived in a small town and there were no sidewalks. The road was pretty quiet with not too many cars. Suddenly, a man in a small car pulls up in front of us. He looks like your average white dad in his late 40s, early 50s, and his car was pretty unremarkable. The thing I remember about his car was that it had out-of-state license plates that were yellowish or orangish, like a sunset. Anyway, it didn't appear like he was doing drugs or having any mental issues. So he pulls up in front of us, sticks his head out the window and says, I'm gonna fuck you up and no one can stop me. And the look in his eyes were so evil. Then as soon as he said it, another car came from the opposite direction and he must have gotten spooked because he drove off. My friend and I waited until he was out of sight and ran home, locking our doors. We were young and stupid and didn't call the police. Every time I see something on the news about a murderer being caught, I look to see if I recognize them. But it's been so long that I don't even know if I would anymore. I always wonder what could have happened and what he even meant by that. One of the strangest things to ever happen to me by far. This literally happened a few minutes ago. A friend and I were grabbing milkshakes and a man approached us in the parking lot. He didn't say hello or any greeting. He just walked up to us and said, I'm gonna kill you. He said, my name is Fats and I'm not a murderer. He repeated a few times that he was not a murderer and was not trying to kill us. He said that he saw a few dead bodies here, but it wasn't him. Told my friend to look at his gray hair and he said he wished he had my friend's hair. He asked how old my friend was and asked my friend to guess his age. He said that he was in his 60s and too old to kill. We were trying to walk away and he said, listen to me, and then told us to watch the news tonight to see them. Luckily, he didn't murder us because he's definitely not a murderer, right? Update, some people wanted to know if there was anything on the news Apparently, murder is common in my city, so there were quite a few stories. It's a big city, and the closest murder was 15 minutes away from where we met the guy, who is not a murderer. There is really no descriptive information for any of the cases, so I have no idea if he was actually not a murderer. This happened a couple hours ago. 
I'm currently in bed trying to sleep off the bad feeling from this encounter. At around 11, I was watching TV and playing on my phone, just waiting to feel tired. My boyfriend was upstairs asleep in bed. The lights were all off in the house, just a lamp in the living room with me. Someone flicked her letterbox on the front door. It was so loud that I assumed my partner would have heard it and came to see. We live in a pretty unsafe area. I've been followed, charged at by mental drug addicts, attempted mugging, catcalled. I found a drunk man hiding in my back garden. I found a man loitering in my front garden. So instantly, I was frightened. I went to look through the front door. It has textured glass panels, so I'm able to make out two silhouettes. I just stood there and watched and saw that one of them was looking into our front room, trying to see what was inside. They must have been there for 30 seconds, then I flicked on the hall light, not wanting them to think that the house was empty, and instantly they went from looking through my front window to the streets. A few seconds later, they started knocking on the door. I ran upstairs and had to wake up my partner because I didn't want to open the door and was scared that they would bash it in. I looked out the bedroom window and there was a man on the street. He looked up at me and held eye contact without blinking or even looking away for a millisecond. He was speaking slowly. I mouthed what once or twice, hoping that he would shout it, but he didn't. Thinking back, I wonder if he was looking at me or he was talking to another person. I rushed downstairs to confront them. My partner came down and started putting on some clothes. By the time I had grabbed my keys and opened the door, they had gone. No sign of them at all on the road. This isn't the first time someone tried our letter flap at night. Last time, I answered with my partner and they had some bullshit reason which seemed to be made up on the spot. So I'm now thinking that they're testing houses to see which ones are empty for robbing. But whatever the reason, the way the man looked at me was really creepy and I really hope he doesn't come back.